Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on? We're live. This is Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. How's it going? Glad you guys are here. We got a special podcast today. We are continuing our series called Deals Gone Bad. And we have a local St. Louisan who's a Cardinals fan in the house today on this podcast. His name is David O. I would try to pronounce his last name, but I'm sorry I'd butcher it. Oh, Onanian. Onanian. I can see him nodding. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's nodding. Okay, I got it. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, we're going to be talking about Deals Gone Bad. This is number 11. And on this podcast series, you know, you've heard me say it before, smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. And sometimes the best lesson that we can get when it comes to real estate investing are mistakes, are bad deals. We all have them. And if you don't have one yet, you've not done enough deals yet. You've not been in the business long enough. But what I so appreciate about these guests who have been on the show, excuse me, my throat's sore. These are guys and ladies that have picked themselves up. They have rebounded. They didn't let defeat hold them down. They didn't let setbacks slow them down. They decided to persevere, to not quit, to not give up. And I respect so much more the people that have rebounded than people who have tried and failed and never picked themselves back up again. There's that famous, and maybe while David is looking, I'll find that famous quote by Winston Churchill. You know, it's not the ones who, I'll, I'll come up with that that quote later, but yeah, they've rebounded and they've come back up. Cool. All right. So as we've been going through this series, I've been collecting notes right now. They're in a mind map. Pretty soon they will be in a PDF of all of the lessons learned from each of these episodes. And if you want to get the mind map or the notes, go to jomacallcom slash bad, jomacallcom slash bad, or just text the word bad to 313131 and we'll send you all of the notes. And I'm probably going to turn this into a book or something because these lessons are so good of things that went wrong, but couldn't, should have been better, could have been prevented and, and things like that. All right. So was there something else? Oh yeah. Hey, listen, we are broadcasting this live right now on YouTube and Facebook and Periscope, believe it or not, Periscope's still around. And if I could find a way to get it on LinkedIn and Instagram, I would. But if you're watching this right now, and there's a bunch of you on, if you're watching this right now on Facebook and YouTube, say hi, type something in the comments right now, say hello, tell us where you're from, just give us a shout out. And if we, as we go through this, if you have questions for David or me, type them in the comments in YouTube and Facebook, and we can pop them up here and we can ask them. So I want this to be a live interactive type of podcast to answer your questions, get feedback from y'all. Really, really appreciate it. Okay, so good. I think we should bring Dave on. Enough of me talking. How you doing, David? What's up, Joe? How's it going, man? Uh, I'm so excited to be on. Long time listener, first time caller here. <laughs> that's weird, man. That's, that's an honor. <laughs> that's quite an honor, actually, to have somebody say that to me on my podcast. Glad you're here, man. You're in St. Louis. and I love your hat. Yeah, go Cards. Go Cards. They didn't have the best year, but they made it into the playoffs, and the Cubs didn't win. So, I mean, what else? You, could you ask for? No. So, man, welcome to the show. And talk a little bit real quick about the, your history in real estate. How did you get started in the business? Yeah, man. So like so many of us, I was raised to go to school and get a job working for somebody else. And so I went to college. I studied computer science, came out, got a software engineering job at a huge corporation, which I worked really hard for 10 years and ended up staying there for 12 years. But during that journey, I hit a freaking wall. And the first 10 years of my career, I was getting promotion after promotion after promotion. And every time I got a raise, 
I did what everybody else was doing and we went out and bought nicer things, right? So my wife and I bought a bigger house. We bought new vehicles. We bought a lake house. We bought a boat. We bought a wave runner. And before I knew it, my paycheck was coming in on one day and the very next day, all of it was being spent to pay for all these bills, all these lifestyle upgrades. And that's when I realized I was absolutely trapped in the corporate rat race. And at 30 years old, the only retirement savings I had had was a 401k was was basically guaranteeing me that I was going to be working until I was 59 and a half. Isn't that crazy? That 401k, which is supposed to give you freedom, actually enslaves you to your job because you think, people think that the only way they can retire is slaving at their job for another 40, 50 years before eventually, maybe, hopefully, if the market cooperates, they can retire from that money. Not saying that 401ks are bad, but sometimes it has an opposite effect of, of holding people back. But anyway, that's another story, another topic. What were you working in? What was your field? I was a software engineer. So okay. I had a big IT company, yeah, here in St. Louis. Yeah, I remember the day very vividly when I got bit by the real estate investment bug. I was huge into fantasy sports and betting on football and all that stuff. So the, the only podcast I had listened to at the time was completely, you know, fantasy football, fantasy guru stuff. There's a to lot of them too. Win the, the football game this Sunday. And I would always lose, but I would keep coming back, keep coming back. And I remember sitting in my, my cubicle that day and it was like November, December. So it was getting dark at 4.30 in the afternoon. And so I had just realized that I had spent my entire day, all of the daylight hours of that day, sitting in a cubicle. And I was like, this is miserable. And uh, so I decided to open up my podcast app. And I was like, well, maybe there's some way you can invest in real estate. I had actually got my real estate agent license on the side a few years before. What what year was this? This was about four years ago, exactly. So I decided to search on podcasts and wonder if there's any podcasts on real estate investing. And I found yours, several others, and there's just like tons of information out there. And I just started just taking this stuff on like a fire hose. I listened to hundreds and hundreds of podcast episodes, read tons of books, and just started becoming obsessed with learning how to invest in real estate and learning how to break free of this corporate rat race. I'm sorry, man. You're, You're talking about fantasy football. What happened to Tom Brady? Last week. I don't know, but are you I kidding saw me? Facebook post, and I thought he was turning it around down there. <laughs> but Tom Brady, I got I, okay. This is a funny story, totally off topic. And last week, I got four point eight five points from Tom Brady. Look, those of you who don't care about fantasy football or anything, normally a quarterback gets you at least thirty points, twenty five points. Like the worst quarterbacks give you twenty five points. Okay, <laughs> I got from Tom Brady. I'm looking at it right now. Four point eight points. He passed for less than 100 yards, 4.45. I got 4.45 points. <laughs> he passed for, oh, I can't see it right now. Anyway, oh, there it is. He passed for 200 yards, three interceptions, no touchdowns. Oh my gosh. And he completed only 58% of his passes. All right, so uh, this the funny thing about this was I posted something on my Facebook t- the day of the game, Monday morning, I think, right? Because he played Monday night. Yeah. And it, was, it looked like an ant, it looked like a pro-Trump post, right? And you had to click on the, find out or, or, or more button to open expand. And when you, when you open expand the, the text of my Facebook comment, or my post, it was really talking about Tom Brady and you know how, what a turnaround he's making in Tampa Bay and what a great quarterback he is, you know, even though you may hate him and all that. Well, anyway, it was that evening after I posted that he had like the worst game of his career. One of the <laughs> lowest points ever in fantasy football. He's one of the worst, was the worst quarterback of the entire season that week, completely bombed with Antonio Brown on his team, who didn't do squat either. So anyway, 
Totally not related, but I thought it was kind of funny. That was funny. I, I copied and pasted that post that you made and sent it to my friends and they sent me back a picture of the scoreboard and i was like oh crap <laughs> he's not the doing wrong too today. <laughs> to uh post that uh, anyway all right so four years ago you got started in real estate i know i just lost half of everybody and now everybody's mad at me but <laughs> that's all right all right Don't so you that. um you got interested in real estate what you got a real estate license right yeah so that goes back a few years before this so when i bought my first house my realtor sucked so bad that i had to learn how to do everything myself so on that transaction i decided i'm gonna go get my license so that way i can help my friends and family you know avoid this crisis of having a terrible real estate agent but i I never really thought i'd have a career it was just kind of a side gig for fun never thought about investing at all at this point so just kind of had it okay all right. And then uh, what, what kind of real estate did you start trying to do for on the investing side of things? Yeah. So what I got really excited about was the concept of doing the Burr method. So that's buy, rehab, rent, and refinance, and then repeat that process. So being able to rinse and wash that same mm-hmm. capital and build a large rental portfolio with very little money out of your own pocket. So I was really, really excited about that. I did a ton of research. And like I said, hundreds of podcasts, dozens of books. Yeah. Let's just clarify what the birth strategy is just a little bit more. Yeah. You buy it, you rehab it, you rent it, you refinance, and you redo. Is that it? You repeat. Yep. You repeat. You do the same process over and over again. And so the so. idea is you find a cheap property that needs work and you buy it with somebody else's money, hard money lender, lending maybe, uh, borrow yeah. from a private lender. Give for you know three to four months that gives you time to fix it up rent it out and then refinance it so you get all your money back and now you have a new loan in place and it should cash flow a couple hundred bucks a month net cash flow yep and you got to make sure you're covering for all of your expenses and stuff like that then you get your money back so then you can go do it again and it's called the burr strategy b-r-r-r-r-r it's really popular in uh bigger pockets circles which is an awesome podcast and awesome website you guys should go check it out biggerpockets.com. But I'm assuming that's kind of where you got inspired by the Burr strategy, right? Right. Yeah. So you didn't need a ton of money to invest in real estate. You could do this method and be able to scale up really as fast as you can refinance these properties. So just to give you an example of some numbers, like if you're going to buy a property for $50,000, put $25,000 into renovating it. At that point, you want to hope that it's going to appraise for $100,000 so that you can refinance at about 75% of loan to value, pull out the 75 that you're into it for, and then go on and do that again and again and again. And, and after that refinance with your mortgage payment, with all the expenses, we're still net cash flowing, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. Yeah. It's a great strategy. And we have some mutual friends that do it a lot in St. Louis. All right. So your bad deal though, was one of these, right? Oh yeah. yeah. And it was, so was it your my, first deal ever? My very first deal. Oh man. So, <laughs> This is painful you already. Know, <laughs> baptism by fire, right? Yeah. So I spent the better part of a year just in like analysis paralysis mode, like just researching as much as I could possibly do. You know, of course, my I didn't know anybody that was investing in real estate. None of my family, none of my friends. And so there's very little support around me, basically. And, uh, you know, originally my wife was very much against taking some 
leap of faith into the real estate market and all this. But then, you know, after month, week after week after week, I'd be coming home from work and listening to these podcasts on the way home and the way there and telling her, oh, look at this great idea. We can do this. We can do that. We can do that. And so every night of her hearing this over months and months and months, she was finally like, you need to go out and buy your first deal. Like, stop talking about it. It's time to take some action. And so, you know, I went ahead and pulled the trigger. And that's when this nightmare started. Oh. This was a property that I found on Craigslist. It was listed by a wholesaler. And then only later did I find out from the tax records that it had been wholesaled to the wholesaler. So I was like at the other end of a, a hot potato game and I you know, landed on me and I got was- stuck with it. Yeah, so there's it's it's kind of like a daisy chain, right? So yeah, one guy gets it under contract to buy it. Somebody else comes to him and says, "Hey, I'll bring you a buyer and we'll split the fee or something like that." Or he adds his assignment fee on top. And so then by the time that it comes to the end buyer, there's two or three guys in the middle that all get a little bit, keeps on bumping the price up. All right, so where was this property located, David? Yeah, so this was kind of near the airport in an area called uh, St. Anne. Not so a bad a area. Hall. It's kind of a class C area, yeah. right? Yeah. So I was like very careful to try to stay away from any war zones, any D-class areas. And this was, this kind of passed the test as like, this is kind of working class area, pretty clean street. Everything looked good. The purchase price was $45,000. So like that literally that example that I just gave you about the burr, like this property was lining up to be exactly like that. What happened was, so basically the wholesaler had said it'd take about $20,000 to make this house rent ready. And so I had never estimated a rehab before. I actually bought a book on estimating rehabs. It's behind me. I read that book. And basically I knew just enough to be dangerous, right? I didn't have any real world experience, nobody to help me, nobody mentor or coach me on this process. And so I was just taking what I was learning from podcasts and books and online courses and trying to implement this stuff on my own. And so I walked the property. I said, you know what? I'm going to pad this a little bit. I'm going to be ultra conservative. I'm going to say it's going to take about 25 grand to to rehab this property, get it rent ready. And the wholesaler Um, said it was going to need about what? 20K. 20K. You said, said, I'm going to pad it to 25. Yeah. And I asked him all kinds of questions too. Like he actually sent me like kitchens that he had remodeled and bids from contractors. And he was like really selling me on the fact that this was only going to cost $20,000 to renovate. Is this a whole series that we both know? You might know him. I don't Never, think don't I've tell ever me his talked name, but I, okay. I won't say his name, but I don't think I've ever talked to him after that first deal. He kind of radio silenced on me. Yeah, you know, I padded it. I said, I'm going to pad this thing 25%, right? I'm going from 20 to 25 and thought I was going to be safe with it. Well, at the end of the day, it ended up being a $50,000 rehab just to get rid of it. And so this thing came crashing down real quick. And I remember very vividly, like the day that I closed on the house, I was very excited. My wife and I were on the front porch talking about what we were going to, what colors we were going to paint the house and all this stuff and kind of celebrating our win. And the mailman comes up and the mailman says, you didn't just buy this house, did you? And I said, yes, I did. (laughs) And he goes, you know what happened here? And I was like, no. He's like, well, the son killed himself right in this room right over here. And I'm like, oh my God, like what in the world did I get into? And so that that was the start of like this just downward spiral. Well, in this okay. Property. To be fair though, and this sounds 
crass, but people die all the time inside of houses. I know. Right? Yeah. So that wasn't the big deal. No, right? it's it's not something that you actually even have to disclose to anybody. So it really, right. really isn't that big of a deal. It's just emotionally at the time we were on this high of got our first property. Okay. And uh, all of a sudden, like here comes the beginning of bad news, you know, for the all next right. six months. So you bought this thing, just looking at my numbers and my notes here, you bought it for 45. Yeah. You thought it would need about 25 grand in rehab. And yep. you, what did you think it was going to be worth fixed up? I thought it'd be worth about 100,000. Okay. So just similar to what we were yep. actually talking about, which yep. would give you enough equity if, if it all worked out that you could refinance it and get your money. Yeah. Did you use your own money to buy it or did you get hard money? Yeah. So this was one of the, the biggest mistake or one of the mistakes I made. So I used all of my own money. So my wife and I had like our literally our life savings, every single dollar of it got sucked into this property. And by the end of it, like I didn't know how I was going to pay for something wow. if, if something else was going to go wrong. So that's when it got really, really stressful, put a ton of stress on my marriage. It was just a really bad place because nobody knew what was going to be the outcome of this thing and literally could be setting me back financially a, a decade or more when I'm trying to get to freedom and not be stuck in this job anymore. Okay. So um, writing these notes down here, talk about the repairs that needed to be done then. How did you know? Yeah. Like 25 wasn't going to be enough. Yeah. So, I mean, surprises just started coming up. So I actually got this property inspected. So I had been a regular normal real estate agent. So I knew how to write contracts. I knew how to open escrow at the title company. I knew how to hire an inspector to inspect the property. So I felt pretty good about all this stuff. The problem was when we inspected the property, it didn't have any power. The water wasn't on. So there wasn't a ton of stuff we could actually look at. And this house was really dark on the inside. So we really had to have like a flashlight to see anything even on the upstairs during a sunny day. But some of the problems that came up I, I, probably the worst of it was the foundation. And so it had a finished basement. And I remember the day that I was down in the basement and the contractors took down the paneling and like literally they're like, Hey man, there's all kinds of like water and cracks behind this paneling in the basement. You got to do something about it. So I came over there, had a foundation guy come with me and he was giving me the worst news on the planet that day. He's like, this whole wall has to be redone. Like it's going to cost 20, 25, thousand dollars because we've got to take a forklift lift up the house take this wall out and build a whole new brand new wall and when he left that day i usually not a very emotional guy i mean i cried when my dog died but that day i bawled man i was down on my knees just thinking like what in the world did i do with this property and i called a buddy of mine and i was just telling him like the bad news and he's like dude you need to get three bids you get three bids. And so I got another bid and that bid was only for $10,000 to fix the wall. And then I got a third bid and that bid was only $5,000 to fix this wall. So then, you know, I was like, okay, I can, I can stomach a five grand on the, on the, on this foundation wall and be able to give a nice warranty to my end buyer. Because it, at that point it turned into, we just got to sell this and try to get as much of our money back. And this isn't going to be a bird deal. This isn't going to be a rental that I'm holding on to. And this is going to be a fix and flip basically. Yeah. Some of the other problems that we found, like, no water when we inspected it. So of course, all of the plumbing in the house is completely shot. Well, let me um, back to the foundations there. Do yeah. you think if you would have had a better inspector or could any of it, any inspector been able to see the problems with the foundation walls? You, on this property, you couldn't because they had finished the basement. And so unless somebody was going to take the paneling down off the wall, you would have never known what was behind there. And it was below grade on the outside of the house. So you couldn't see But the see paneling anything. wasn't wet? It wasn't wet. Yeah. Okay. So pretty much though, I mean, you got it fixed for five grand. 
Yeah, so they put in some I beams, epoxied all the cracks, and basically made it good. Made Which it isn't whole. really in the in the big thing. I know it's a big deal for you on your first deal, but yeah. in a normal house renovation in St. Louis, it's not that big of a deal to have to fix foundations. And that's sure. a good lesson to learn there, people, because people many times things like termites, bad foundations, uh, mold, they'd scare people, right? But that shouldn't scare you as an investor if you've got it budgeted for those kinds of repairs, because those are easy things to fix. Foundations are actually, it's real common, concrete cracks. Number one, you got to understand that, right? And a lot of basements leak water. It's not that big of a deal. And when you can get it fixed, you can usually, if you got a good reputable contractor that does it, get a lifetime warranty that's transferable. And a lot of times it does not hurt depending on how bad the problem is, but it doesn't hurt the sale of the house, the resale of it, when you can fix things like bad foundations, termites, or mold, because those things are easy to fix. But you weren't expecting it, David. And that first guy who told you it was going to be outrageous. Yeah. It's always, yeah, you're, I'm glad you got some other bids on that. All right, cool. Right. Yeah. So more problems that came up, the whole like sewer lateral was shot. So I foregone a sewer camera inspection, which I would will never do again after that. So that's when they take a camera and they run it through the sewer pipe that goes underneath the foundation of the house all the way out under the yard into the street where it ties into the sewer main. They take that camera to make sure that pipe is intact and your plumbing is good exiting the house. So on this particular property, all of it was clay pipe. All of it was collapsed. There was going to be no flowing of sewage <laughs> through the sewer lateral. And to replace this thing, you've got to jack up the entire basement floor. It's literally the pipe is three to four feet under your basement floor. So they got to dig it up, lay new pipe, get rid of all the debris, pour new concrete back down there. And so that was another major surprise which is I another get. common problem yeah. with houses that old in this part of St. Louis, right? But like, how much did it cost to fix that? That was like eight or 9000 and that was after getting a couple bids as well. So that was a big, a, oh, you know, big sucks. surprise. Eight or 9000 How much would the inspection, a sewer lateral inspection, have cost? $150. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was smart saving $150. <laughs> I got it. I get it, yeah. All right, never, so then what else? So never do that again. Of course, my inspector knew that, you know, we needed to raise the service wire for the electric. But then when we turned the power on, we also needed a new panel. We needed a lot of work done with the outlets. A lot of them weren't grounded. A lot of them weren't connected properly. So I had a lot of electric work, basically all new electric work going into this property too, um, which was another surprise. When we sold the property, the buyer had their inspector call out some problems with the roof. So we had to do some patching, some repairing on the roof, and then tuck pointing on the chimney, which I didn't realize was going to be a very expensive repair. Tuck pointing seems to be more expensive than you would think. It you know, could cost a couple thousand dollars to fix a you know, chimney and, and tuck point it. Did the inspector um, miss that as well? Or did he just say it wasn't as big of a deal as... You know, he kind of called it out and I didn't really think it was going to be a big deal. I didn't even think, I, you know, I didn't even fix it. So I, you know, obviously thought it was going to pass the buyer's, you know, sniff test as well. But yeah, I was wrong on that. And then one of the other big surprises was on the occupancy inspection. So when you're selling a property or when you're renting it out, you have to get, you know, here in St. Louis, you have to get the local municipality to inspect it to provide clear occupancy. And they can usually call out, uh, you know, some smaller things like, hey, attach this handrail to the stairwell, 
this way or put some smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors in the property. Well, little did I know that they had just passed a new code there that said any house that is sold has to have a paved driveway. And so this one had a gravel driveway. Oh and so there's every other house on this street had a gravel driveway, mind you. So this was not going through my mind at all that we're going to have to pour a bunch of concrete here. And so, you know, it's a, this is a big driveway too. Like this is two cars with, and so I decide that we're going to try to get away with as little driveway pouring as possible. So we, we went to the the city with our plans for the driveway and it was like a single car just going to basically the front of the house. And, um, it was like the week after Christmas when we were doing this. So like the regular building permit approver or inspector wasn't in the office. So it was like somebody else was signing off for him. And he just stamped his approval on the on this driveway. So we ended up getting out of it with like a $5,000 driveway when it, in reality, it probably could have cost like 12 or 15. Oh. So then by the time we had this driveway poured, basically made the other half of the gravel driveway, we turned that, we put landscaping rock on it and like planted bushes in there to make it look like it was... Oh, it's just landscaping over here. It's not a parking area. And so by the time we had all this done, the the regular building inspector was back in the office, back from vacation. And so he comes out and he says, Oh no, this is not, this is not passing at all, buddy. He goes, This is a driveway over here. This needs concrete. And he goes, You only poured the driveway to the front of the building line. Our code requires you to pour the driveway to the back of the building line. And I was like, You've got to be kidding me. And so luckily I just fought this tooth and nail. And I was like, here's the document that you guys approved and stamped these plans. And finally, after a lot of back and forth, I ended up getting, um, you know, awarded a, on a past occupancy inspector without having to do that. But that was another part that was like extremely stressful um, going back and forth with them on. So how, where were you getting the money to do the rehab from? Did you, was it your own savings? Start? Yeah, it's my own, my own personal savings. Like literally every dollar went into this house. So at Anything else? No, no. Okay. We luckily we got to the end with like a couple grand to spare, and it was like, please, you know, fingers crossed. Please, no more. Please, don't, you know, I don't know how we would have done it. We would have had to start racking up credit card bills, and it would have got real, real ugly. All right. So at the end of the day, how much are you in on it? You you bought it for forty five. Yeah. So 45, 50 K rehab. And then we've got, you know, holding costs. We've got realtor commissions. I was well over, I want to say a hundred, hundred thousand into this property, maybe around 104, 105. And then it sat on the market for about two months. I had to offer a buyer's agent bonus to be able to get this thing sold. And you so were selling we it, got, uh, in January, sounds like, right? Yeah. I got listed in January and then it went under contract and sold in March, April timeframe. What did you sell it for? The sale price was ninety six five, but I had to give them. I had to do a lot of repairs that included in that fifty, and then I had to give them some credits as well. So a few thousand in credits. So all in all, it was like a loss of five to ten thousand dollars. Which what looking more back, than that, at I mean, if you if you were all in it yeah. for one hundred and five, and you sold it for ninety six, and you still had commissions and all of that, you lost. 15,000? Well, the 106 is with the commissions. Okay, okay. Yeah, the 105 is with the commissions, yeah. And that's with like an agent bonus too. I think I had to throw in like a $1,500 bonus commission for that uh, buying agent to (laughs) get somebody to write on this thing. So Um, this is your first deal. Did you stay married through it? Still married, yes. Yeah, we survived it, which was a a big test. (laughs) Good for you. 
Good for you. All right, let's talk about some lessons learned. What would you have done differently if you had to do this all over again? Yeah, so I would have got some help from somebody that knew how to to invest in real estate. I, you know, I was an agent myself, but I had no investment experience. So an investor-friendly agent would have been so helpful to be like, hey, point out all these things that I just didn't see at the time or have like a mentor or a coach or somebody just come with me to the property to look at it before I wrote a contract or look at it during the due diligence period. That would have saved me a ton of heartache and stress during this whole thing. Find an investor-friendly agent and mentor or coach. Good. Yep. What else would you have done different? I wouldn't have used my all of my own money. So I would have got a loan and I would have had my own money there in case of an emergency. So if I got the loan for the 25K rehab, you know, then when that rehab goes double and gets up to 50K, I, I can tap into my emergency funds. Do you I'm think if surprised. you would have gotten a hard money loan, they would have lent the money on the deal? I think they would have. A lot of them will just drive by the property. A lot of them don't even go in the property. They're just kind of look at some pictures and they probably would have bought the 20K, rehab the number that the wholesaler was throwing out there. So on paper and looking at the pictures, I mean, this thing made sense to most people, I think. Okay. All right. So you wouldn't have used your own money. What else? What else would you have done different? Yeah. So wouldn't use my own money. Um, so now every property that I buy, I have a rehab calculator, rehab estimator that I use. And so this has made my life so much easier because it's got literally every line item of a possible repair that could come up in the house. And so now for every property that I buy, I'm going line by line. Does it need this? Does it need this? Does it need this? And so rarely do I have these huge surprises that I had on this house. You know, when you're walking around in a house and you're just jotting down a couple of things that you think need to be done, you miss things all the time, especially if you're there with, you know, the seller or somebody else is with you, you get distracted, you don't see everything. So I take pictures and now I'm going through my checklist, making sure I make sure every single line item could be covered with my repair estimator. Where did you get that repair estimator? I built it it in Excel. Yeah. I'm sorry. I built it in Excel. You did. And I'd be willing to give it to your listeners, Joe. You would. Do you have a website for people can get it or can I, can I include it in my notes? Yeah, well, I'll drop the link to you. It's myagentinvestor.com slash cashflow. Myagentinvestor.com slash cashflow? Yep. Myagentinvestor.com slash cashflow. Nice. And that's where people can get the rehab. I'm writing this down. The um, yeah. rehab estimator. Yeah the, yeah, the coolest thing in there is the rehab estimator. It's basically, you'll get an Excel file. It's got all of my calculators in there actually. So nice. from fix and flips, buy and holds, the Burr method, the repair estimator. So everything's in one spreadsheet. You can use it on your phone, do it on your laptop. It's really easy to use and, and helps me evaluate and analyze every deal that I buy. Nice. And this is a calculator you built yourself. Yep. Cool. All right. What other lessons learned? What do you, would you have done different? Man. So a couple of them, We've already talked about get multiple bids. Multiple bids. bids yep, I learned that lesson. And then Always yeah, do a so lateral that, inspection. Yep. Get your sewer lateral inspected with a camera. Oh, another I learned how to work with contractors on this deal. Uh, so one thing that you'll find out is it's hard to find a good contractor. You know, everybody's looking for these cheap contractors that do high quality work. It's almost like they don't even exist. Um, to give you an idea of the process I had to go through to find somebody to rehab this property is I probably called like 15 to 20 different contractors, like called them, said, told them about the house, tried to set up appointment to meet meet me there. And I think I set 10 appointments to meet contractors 
at this property. And I think like only seven of them or so showed up to meet me at the property when they said they were going to show up to meet me at the property. And then out of that seven, I only got bids from three of them. Oh. But two of those two of those bids that came back, one was really high. The two were were decent bids. So I was able to find two good contractors out of this deal. Um, so I used one of them on that house and then I used the next one on the next property I ended up purchasing. Well, th- so you did purchase another property after this. You didn't quit and give up? Yeah, that's that's actually probably the biggest lesson out of this. Glad you mentioned that. Yeah. So listening to podcasts like yours and so many others, you hear these stories of of like people failing and then getting themselves back up and it's really inspiring. And so one of the things is like everybody's afraid that they're going to lose um, when they when they do a real estate investment deal, right? You're afraid, you're fearful. I tended to leverage that fear. So I was actually more afraid of not succeeding in real estate than I was afraid of failing in that one particular deal. Because if I didn't succeed in real estate, I was going to have to go back to the cubicle for the next 30 years of my life, which seemed like a life sentence to me. And so I was more scared of having to go back to that than it was like failing in this deal or failing in the next deal. So I just made a commitment that I was going to figure it out. And I even told my wife at one point during this process, process. So I was like, if we like go homeless and I'm like on the side of the highway with a cardboard sign, my sign's still going to say we buy houses. Like <laughs> I am committed to buying houses and getting out of this mess. I know real estate is the vehicle. I just got to get better at it. I found the quote. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Bam. That's awesome, man. You'll have to read that slower <laughs> to get the full. Yeah, gravity. where'd you get that from? It's a famous quote that I've seen for a long, long time. And I just Googled it. If you Google uh, Roosevelt, the man in the arena. That's cool. The man in the arena. Cool. So then what are you doing now these days, David? Are you, you're a realtor. You're doing your own deals, but you also help people find deals too. Yeah, I'm an agent and an investor. So on the investment side, um, we're a pretty small operation. It's just my wife and I and an assistant. So we've got about 14, 15 rental properties. My assistant does all the property management. She's basically like the property runner for us. And my wife designs all of the rehabs, manages the contractors, all that stuff. And then on the agent side, we have a team called My Agent Investor, and we only focus on helping investors. And so I believe the new financial advisors are actually expert real estate agents that can give you advice on purchasing investment real estate. So most realtors will sell you a liability like the house that you're living in. We're going to sell you an asset that puts money in your bank account every single month. And so that's how we look at it. We have all the tools at our disposal that an investor does. And so we really know how to speak and get our clients the investment properties that they're looking for. And your website is myagentinvestor.com. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's our website. You can follow me on social media at Agent David O. Agent David O. Agent David O. On Instagram, is that what you said? Or Facebook? Yeah, Instagram, Facebook. So again, on on Facebook or Instagram? Agent David O. Agent David O. I'm going to write this down on the banner here. Agent 
David O at. And look at that. Is that it? Okay. Nice. Agent David O. And your website is my investor. And if you want the calculators, myagentinvestor.com slash cash flow. All right. How does that look right there? Myagentinvestor.com slash cash flow. Perfect. That's it. David, uh, really good, man. So you've picked yourself back up. Your wife is a trooper. Give her a nice big hug for us. Pat her on the back. Tell her she's a trooper. But you stuck with it. You didn't quit. You um, went back at it. And now you have, uh, for your on your own, 14 properties that you've done the burst strategy on is that right you've bought it yep rented it rehab yeah it. yeah actually nice. we're getting right we're starting to we kind of maxed out where we're at where we're at on the burr strategy now we're going back and paying off properties which is really cool to nice. be able to own something free and clear and just get all the more cash flow from it yeah so your properties are cash flowing is that right your properties are cash flowing and you're paying them off oh yeah yeah okay cool. yeah so when i got to 10 units each unit was cash flowing about 300 dollars a month after all of your expenses and with 75 percent leverage on it financing so that enabled me to leave my corporate job just having that income coming in and wow. for most people think you know three thousand dollars a month isn't that much but a lot of a lot of that is tax-free because we're depreciating properties yeah. and so that three thousand which might be you know what is the math thirty six thousand a year year really feels like 60 or $70,000 at the end of the day. Oh, that's true. And then you manage your own properties as well. So you save some money there. Yep. Nice. Good for you, man. And you're paying them off. And so pretty soon you'll have them free and clear. Yep. Yeah. That's the goal is pay pay them off and uh, continue to do a few burrs, but have a majority of the portfolio paid off. Good for you, David. That's awesome. And I'm looking at your spreadsheets here. That looks really cool. Your website, myagentinvestor.com. We help busy professionals invest in real estate. I love that. And your calculators here, you have the rental cash flow calculator, the Burr cash flow calculator, rehab estimator, and the fix and flip calculator. And um, they can get that for free at myagentinvestor.com slash cash flow. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Anything else you want to say? What, what, let me just ask you this. What was your biggest lesson learned that you want to share with people listening to this? Uh, maybe somebody is new. Maybe somebody's in yeah. the middle of a bad deal right now. Like, What would you say to people? Dude, just don't give up. Just commit man, you got to commit. You got to go all out and you got to say, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to figure out how to do it. And it's through the perseverance and the persistence that will, you know, you'll get to that end goal. So just don't give up. Good, man. Well said. David, thank you so much. I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Hey guys, don't forget we gave you a lot of notes and links and things like that. If you want to get the notes and everything, go to joemccall.com slash bad or text the word bad to 313131. You can get all of David's spreadsheets and stuff like that, calculators at myagentinvestor.com slash cashflow. Thanks for being on the show, David. We'll see you later, man. See ya. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye, everybody.